Today's episode is brought to you by Captain Morgan, the official captain of Against All Odds. We're raising our glasses of Captain Morgan and Ginger to all you captains out there. Whether you're a tugboat captain, captain of your intramural dodgeball team, or just live to have fun, you're all captains in our book. No matter how you choose to live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. And we're also brought to you by Stax Records recording artist Nathaniel Ratliff and the Night Sweats. Their highly anticipated new album, Tearing at the Seams featuring the anthemic single, You Worry Me, is out now. For tour dates and more information, please visit Nathaniel Ratliff, R-A-T-E-L-I-F-F dot com. And listen to the full album on Apple Music today. And now, the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. All right, welcome to Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Sal here. I'm not alone. Back behind the board, Master Tate Frazier. What's happening, Tate? Feels good to be back, Sal. I'm sorry. I feel like uh, I've been cheating on the Against All Odds crew. I've been away for too long. No, I, you know, I felt like you were sent away to, to boot camp. You, you and, and Titus covered the NCAA tournament. It's over. You must be exhausted. I'm looking at you now. You've got those... Uh, got like smoke rings on your face <laughs> fresh out of a, a Bugs Bunny cartoon like uh-huh. a, like a car backfired on you are yes you, are you glad it's over uh, I would say you know I'm glad that uh, I survived that, mm-hmm. that's what I would say you, you mentioned boot camp I'm glad I'm here I'm glad I'm so healthy uh, relatively speaking um, I'm glad I made it back from San Antonio but it, it was good to be there in the mix you know be around the actual fans of college basketball it's hard to find that out in California so yeah it was nice it's hard to find tuxedos too, and you guys were wearing tuxedos like for like three straight days, right? Yeah, we we thought that you were supposed to dress to impress if you're going to go on national TV, and uh, we decided to wear tuxes. Uh, we also realized that we would have to commit to the bit, so we had to wear tuxes for three straight days. Yeah, um, those poor players on day three were not very happy with us, but they they weren't. We had happy. to do it. Yeah, we didn't smell too great. Right, I'm surprised they didn't make you continue with your effort here at the at the ring. <laughs> Just that that should be your look now. But we listened back, brother Bry, actually member of the degenerate trifecta. To listen back to our November 9th podcast, you gave us Villanova at 26 to 1 odds. You need to be screaming about this more. I was supposed to, yeah, I, I can't say that I was right. You know, I think first gut instinct would make, make you pick Villanova. Uh, mm-hmm. I had so many bad picks going into the tournament that now I can't uh, brag about it, but I have been tweeting out, you know, my Wildcats pick is looking good right? Um, every single time just because I picked Davidson first. That was the first Wildcats team mm-hmm. I picked um, over Kentucky, and then I went with Kansas State. And then it, it, as the as the Wildcats fell out of the tournament, I continued to ride Villanova to the top. So yeah, they, I can't brag too much, Sal. They were the only ones that count. Now, 26 to 1 odd, you could brag. You could brag. <laughs> I, somehow, though, the degenerate trifecta and I lost thousands on this dumb tournament, but they and all, that's also my fault. So. Yeah, that's your fault. That's your fault. That's yours and Harry's fault. But um, as a, they already have odds for next year, um, you want to know who the favorite is? You want to guess? Uh, it's got to be Duke, right? It is Duke. Ugh. I, they, there's not one player who's stepped on a college floor so far, is there? No, not really. I mean, they're going to try to get uh, Gary Trent to come back, but yeah. I don't see that happening. That's unbelievable what they're doing with that team. Almost all those guys, if not all of them, are going pro. Uh, Duke is six to one. Kansas seven to one. Kentucky and the champs Villanova eight to one. Your Carolina Tar Heels twelve to one. And what what do you feel about that, real quickly? Uh, I would say I would definitely not take Duke at those odds. I think that's crazy. But Villanova's the team. I mean, I know that those aren't great odds right now, but yeah. even taking eight to one, I mean, there's a chance the whole entire team can come back and right. try to win another title. Pro- probably not Bridges because he's going to be a top ten pick. But mm-hmm. uh, if they run this thing back, I mean, they're scary again. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. We'll and bet it this time. 
Yeah, maybe we should bet Loyola Chicago at 200 to 1. <laughs> I don't know if Sister Jean will be around to see it, but um, I'm not getting stuck again. That was that was some run. Incredible. She's, de- she's definitely living past 100. She we is. do know that. Oh, she's going to outlive me for sure. Anyway, my, one shining podcast. Great job, you and Titus. You you carried us for three weeks. You, you did it. I mentioned the uh, the gen- degenerate trifecta. Wait a minute. The degenerate trifecta. Yes, I need to say that right. They'll be back next week with NBA first-round playoff series picks. Uh, this week, we're going to have WWE Hall of Famer Devon Dudley on the podcast. He's getting inducted this weekend leading up to WrestleMania. I went to high school with Devon, and we're going to reminisce about the good old days at John Glenn High and talk about his wrestling career. 23 tag team championships for Devon and Bubba Ray. That's astounding. But before that, our next guest has his own podcast. He has two of them, maybe more that we don't know about. He's been spreading his seed everywhere. You're in heaven, though, House, right? Free food, free Literally golf. in heaven, yes. There's, there's, it's no world that could, could make you happier, right? No, no, this is it. This is it. I'm going from here to the Waffle House, and that's really it. If you want to take me directly to my casket, that'll be fine. I want to, uh, this is a little early for an ad, but I want to knock this out yet now because we're talking food. Our sponsored segment, Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. You guys are on the riverboat now. Each week, mm. uh, I set sail. We tackle make-believe gambling propositions related to sports and pop culture events. This week, I want to ask. Here it is. Here's the prop. Um, number of pimento cheese sandwiches eaten by Joe House this weekend or audible Baba Booey's during the Masters telecast. Baba Booey's, <laughs> Baba Booey's minus six and a half. Although, House, I think you, you make it close. Well, here's the thing. At the Masters, they have a different protocol here. Uh they they really frown on <laughs> any of that kind of baba booey mashed potato right. getting the whole kind of stuff uh-huh. and they have the 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 security is very well hidden they 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 look like regular patrons here mm-hmm. there's not like you know guys dressed up in swat vests so i don't think you're going to get a lot of baba booies and you know six pimento cheese sandwiches seven yeah. that's what i have to get to to beat the, the number of Baba Booies? No, you're yeah, the, I got seven in me. Come you're, on. you're the underdog. The Baba Booies are favorite. So they will throw people out for Baba Booing? Oh, 100%. Is that right? They'll throw them out for less. Oh, wow. Uh, which way are you going with that, Simmons? Uh, um, Under. <laughs> you going under? Under for who? <laughs> for House. Simmons says yeah. he doesn't well, know no. how to play this Riverboat Casino thing. All right. Uh, <laughs> tr- house under. To be honest, though, because yeah, yeah. those pimento what? cheese sandwiches are very rich. I can only, really only eat half at a time. They are? Okay. All right, that's another week of Captain Morgan's Make Believe Riverboat Casino. No matter how you live like a captain, Captain Morgan reminds you to please drink responsibly. Captain's orders. What podcast is this? I don't know. I can't. I don't know what this is. <laughs> I think this is Larry Wilmore. So, yeah. What is it? What happened? When's your birthday? I forget. Is this my birthday? Oh, July July fifth. When is it? July fifth. What? I'm going to give you an early birthday present. What is and it? And it's about a f- a five minute uh, narrative email thread. You, that uh, I promised you, I told you that in a month, I put it in my calendar. I'm going to tell you this story in a month, but I think it's funnier if I do it on the podcast right now. Oh, you're going to tell you me right now. Yeah. You warned me that you were going to yeah. send me something that was going to uh, make my head spin off. Um, but okay. Yeah. Please read me the email. I don't know if I'm ready for this. So we are on this email thread with uh, our friend, Chris Chen and house and myself. Uh-huh. And there's this place at the Masters called Berkman's that is basically like Soho House for the Masters. Right. It's impossible to get into. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to get tickets. It's like a who's who of swinging dicks. Uh-huh. It's How beautiful. How do you get in? Yeah. It's beautiful. It's like 
the nicest place you could possibly go to in your entire life. And it's right on the cabin. I talked to Tony Kornheiser on Monday. Nice. And he was like, whatever you do, you have to get into Berkman's. It's the best. Take your dad. Your dad will go for three holes. Mm -hmm. And then he'll go and you sit there in these chairs and it's just the greatest and it's the best time There's to a, ever the have. There's replicas of a couple of the greens you can putt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just like... It's it's like Masters Nirvana, basically. I think I know where and this is it's going. It's impossible to get into. Okay. So Chris Chen, <laughs> who who emails Baby Doll James Dixon? How was it you or Chris I Chen didn't. House? All right. So House emails him and he says, We need two things from you, baby. Uh -huh. Your picks for next week. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And then three passes into Berkman's for each of Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Nice. Dr. Bill needs a place to rest his feet and get a bite. You can blame Chris Chen. Right. So then I follow up. With an email that says, what is Berkman's? Can baby pull this off or should I ask CAA? Oh, nice. <laughs> so now, uh, Sal, I know I know you right now. We've known each other a long time. Yeah. I know your tongue is firmly entrenched in the right side <laughs> of your it. cheek right now. You've never been more excited for the rest of this email thread. I know you love this. Well, because I did. this was a smart thing because baby probably would have uh, probably he would have blown it off. Otherwise, if you didn't threaten, his old employer would step in and come through for you, right? So it was a good move. It was a good move, I think. Right. Yeah. Okay. And not to mention, um, CA is having a huge party on Wednesday night. Right. So, um, baby emails back. Um, first, he jokingly emails back at CAA. Uh huh. Okay. Funny. All right. Two minutes later. <laughs> Seriously, that place is $7,000 per person to get in if you can get an available ticket. I'm going on Saturday for the day, and I'm not even going to bother to inquire. And by the way, thanks, Chris. So now he's mad at Chris Jen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. A couple minutes pass, and then he says, um, he says, the great and recently disposed John Skipper, the most powerful man in sports at the time, probably couldn't have gotten you in if you were still at ESPN. <laughs> but I will send two emails to two very powerful people and let you know. Right. Okay. <laughs> do, you, do you do you this was Sunday? Do you think we heard from him again on this? Oh, I see. I see where this is going. No, no, no. Do you think? No, did not hear from. So him. anyway, we have we have two passes for tomorrow because I asked CA and they came through. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, but, the, those, but John Skipper, when I was at ESPN, couldn't have gotten them. But right. CAA was like, no problem. We have two for Wednesday. Do you think Skipper stepped up for you for, through CAA? I wonder, <laughs> I, I, how did this get done? I wonder. Oh my God. So do, uh, does baby yeah. know, or are you going to surprise him with a uh, picture like tomorrow? No, Baby's going to know because this is going to be in the podcast. Yeah, no, I know. But he doesn't listen to any work we do for years. I wonder. Oh, do you, okay. Do you think, oh, oh, I can't wait till he finds out. Oh, you have to be there when he finds. You have to tell him in person and show him pictures. <laughs> That's great. That's great. <laughs> Baby, it's impossible. There's no way. Do me a favor. Send me the email again in the month. I know it doesn't matter as much because I now know the story, but I, I, I want to hear it over and over. I love that. I love it. He I figured you would it. want to read it over and over and over <laughs> again for the next eight months. Oh, that's great. I'm jealous you guys are there because I've really, I've really started, uh, I have a new appreciation, appreciation for golf over the last year. I play on my phone. I've been going to events house. I was at the one in, uh, in, uh, what was it? The Pacific Palisades a few, few, like a month ago. The at Riviera. Riviera, the one that Bubba Watson won. Uh, I just, Beautiful. I, I love betting it. And I think there's so much talent. This year, so many of the greats are playing well going into the Masters, and yet 
this and every tournament going forward is about Tiger Woods. And it, what's the feel down there, guys? Is it, is it the same? Is it just all Tiger all day long? Well, we got there late, but today Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson played in a practice round together uh-huh. with Fred Couples Ooh. and with a young up-and-comer, uh, Thomas Peters, the Belgian. Uh-huh. And, you know, it, the crowds for a Tuesday practice session were 10 deep. It was a packed house. Wow. And, you know, the things they do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday – for the practice rounds, they're, the, they're very accommodating at the Masters. They want people to come and experience it and see it. There's far less tickets available for the actual competition. So if you imagine over the course of the day, say 60,000 people, they probably had 50,000 people Holy following that, that, the, the, that, that foursome uh, through the practice round this morning. That is I'm bizarre. just glad that 10 deep is now being used for golf with Tiger again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Good call. I just said that for half a bad laugh. There was a time when that wasn't as much of a compliment, right? Or <laughs> maybe could have got him in more <laughs> I trouble. I think it's always a compliment. Yeah, more, I, know, yeah, I, I think know. it's been a compliment for him for a while. <laughs> but now I, now I know Tiger's familiar with the course. He's done great things at Augusta. Four wins. He never missed the cut at Augusta. He's coming in. The last three finishes were like 12th, 2nd, and 5th in the last three tournaments he was in. But it's been a while, and I wonder, he's at 10-to-1 odds. He and Spieth are the favorites. Is this too low? Like, what would his odds be if he were, if this were like uh, Stuart Appleby making a comeback after 10 years? Like, right? Like, wouldn't uh, it be like 30-to-1 yeah. or something? How much of this blowback well, I, is just like everyone loves Tiger, and how much is how much is it worthwhile? Like, is, is what? Can I answer this? Go, Go ahead. ahead. Tell me. Remember year after year before 2004 when our lovable but dumb friend Daniel would bet on the Red Sox to win the World Series and we would laugh and laugh and then we would find out that the Vegas odds for the Red Sox were always lower than they should have been because Because there were tens of thousands of dumbass Red Sox fans like Daniel who would go to Vegas and be like, "Ah, I'll put down 20 bucks. Right. And it would single-handedly drive down the price, the stupidity of the fans. Mm-hmm. And then they actually won in 2004. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what's happening here. It's just like there's a Tiger Vig. If you're betting on him, everyone wants to bet on him. And it's three times lower than it should be. Right. Right. But, I mean, there there are trends and, and, and props jumping out at me. Tiger to be in the top 10. Now, that's quite an accomplishment. Even odds. Even odds for Tiger in the top 10. Top 20 is minus 255. They have everything on Tiger. Honestly, there's hundreds of props. There's birdies over under 16 and a half, bogeys over under eight and a half. House, does anything jump out at you with Tiger related, or is he just a stay away and enjoy? It's it's a stay away and enjoy. I'm I'm making one bet on Tiger and one bet on Phil because I want to be rooting for them and have that vested interest in them. What I'm Rooting for is Sunday afternoon at 4.45 p.m. Those guys are, you know, somewhere finishing up the front nine, maybe starting the back nine, and the roars start coming from the bottom of the golf course because they're down there doing spectacular things. So I want to taste. I'm put, I'm going to bet the even odds on Tiger for the top 10, and Phil is also around there. He, what's Phil at? Is he like minus... Uh, He's probably a minus for a top 10. I'll find it. Because he yeah. went out and had five straight birdies in the practice round today. Did he really do that? Wow. Yes. Yes. Starting on 13, uh, went five straight. But uh, I'm going to bet both of those guys to top 10 because I want to root for both of them 
to finish in the top 10. That makes sense. All right. Let me read the top. I, ten. Go ahead, Bill. What were you going to say? Oh, I, I parlayed Tiger. I have Tiger to make the top 10 minus 105 with Baby Doll being unable to get him into Berkman's <laughs> at minus 240. So I, I parlayed I, those two. I can't even believe Vegas has that on the as a line because it's such a lock yeah. and not coming through for something like that. Tiger uh, asked Baby and Baby just said, Tiger, I can't do it. It's too hard. <laughs> even John Skipper at his peak couldn't have gotten you in. I'm sorry. Uh, poor John Skipper. <laughs> Baby Doll speaking his name like that. Uh, House, let, let me sing your praises a little. House, you bet... Um, Sergio Garcia. By the way, Phil is plus one fifty to make the top ten. I just uh, just popped. Up I here. love that. Yeah. Hooray! Uh, House last year, Sergio Garcia to win the Masters. Now he gave us like three or four picks, but Sergio was thirty to one. You cashed in on that. Brooks Kepka for U.S. Open forty to one. House, you step up your game for the majors. Who? I do love the majors, and yeah. I I especially like one thing that's that's helpful is. For these tournaments, the the data flow, right? Everybody, the the swell of data, and I'm nothing right. if not a person, a consumer of the data, along with um, the low main. I mean, I'm hoping for some low main tonight. I like, <laughs> I'm a consumer of the low main and the data. Low main and data. Um, yeah. This- what do you look for? Let me ask you. Like, so baby doll will say baby doll likes Justin Rose. He, I, I, I saw that email with the ten. He he forwarded just the part with his top ten. And eight of his top ten finishers were actually in the top ten, so he didn't really, he really didn't go off, um, you know, he he really didn't go out on a ledge too much. But I, I actually thought that was textbook baby doll. Yeah, he yeah. he listed ten golfers, eight of whom were the top ten favorite to win, and no <laughs> right. matter what happens, he could brag about how he told us that he had one of those golfers. Right? Absolutely, he had Leishman and Matsuyama uh, instead of two. Uh, oh, he didn't have Spieth in there, and and someone else. Uh, I think Bubba Watson he didn't have in there. But he had Justin Rose winning, and I made fun of him for picking all the favorites. And then he's like, baby, what I look for is good putting and how they handle Augusta. What do you look for, House, besides like who is playing well and familiar with the, the course at the Masters? Um, those two things are big factors. Who's playing well and the familiarity with the course. Yeah. There is uh, in the analytics a uh, ball striking metric that's a com- combination of a few of these so-called strokes gained uh, metrics. So strokes gained approach, stroke gained off the tee, stroke gain around the green. And basically it's a metric that ba- um, compares the guys against each other. So you know, in a, in a certain, in a field, how is the guy uh, performing relative to his peers? And that's this metric strokes gained. And over the years, it's been demonstrated that the ball striking metric is very important at Augusta. And that's why a guy like Jordan Spieth uh, comes up quite well. Justin Rose comes up quite well. There's a stat that I like quite a bit. There is a researcher at uh, the Golf Channel, this guy, Justin Ray, mm-hmm. whose Twitter I encourage folks to follow if you want to get a little nerdy and, and enjoy it. And he has a stat in here about the last six or seven uh, uh, Masters winners. Uh, is who, Who's editing this? Give me one second to pull this no, goddamn that's okay. stat up. Pull it up. <laughs> I didn't have it handy. Is anybody editing this? No, no, no. There's no I, editors. Can can we not edit this? And can I just make fun of House? Yeah, yeah. Make here fun of House. Go. That's what it's about. God, here House. Go. Listen, here's the stat. I just didn't have it handy. I had the Twitter piece open. My Each God. of the last six Masters champions, and this is, again, kudos to the great Justin Ray. Mm-hmm. Each of the last six Masters champions have entered the week ranked seventh or better okay. in strokes gained T to green. So here we go. We look at 
your top seven at the moment in strokes gained T to green because you if if this stat holds true, yeah. your last six Masters champions. That's a trend. I love that's this. That's a trend. I love this trend. Here are your seven guys. Sergio Garcia, mm-hmm. Paul Casey, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson, Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Thomas, and Adam Scott. Wow. So if you believe this trend line, one of those names I just mentioned is going to win this year's Masters. Now, you know and I know that I've already bet Jordan Spieth yeah. because yes, you did. I liked the, the odds you know, he was not, he was still in the 12 to 14 range. I was wanting him to have a, a, a shitty round in, in Houston to drive his odds up because I was pretty well uh, convinced that I was going to bet him to win this tournament this year. You got him at 12 uh, to thought, 1. You got him at 12 to 1. Yeah. I think he's since gone down to 10 to 1. So you're already a winner with, with Spieth. But the knock on him is he hasn't been putting all that well in the last couple of weeks, right? There's some. Some controversy with his hairline right now. Is that right? The ringer staff on the golf slack seems to feel like he's enhanced it a little bit. Oh, Uh, I think House made a key point earlier about the seven guys, one of whom is 50 to one to win the Masters. Young Tommy Fleetwood. Yeah, I've heard good things about him. He hits the hell out of 50 to one is like, that's a flyer. Like, just throw something on there. Right. My dad thinks uh, Bubba Watson's going to win, who's only 15 to 1. I like Watson. He's, he's playing as well. Didn't he switch balls or something? Didn't he switch uh, house? Didn't he go he to did. something? He did. He played a brand of ball last year. Seems unfair to pick on this brand of ball. But he, he signed a ball deal. Uh-huh. And it, it the magic of Bubba Watson is his ability to move the ball. He's a left-handed golfer, which, uh, by the way, is a very favorable thing for the way that Augusta is yeah. set up. But he is able to move the ball left to right, right to left at at will. He has this preternatural skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, this so he's kind of a savant. And then he started playing this ball, and he wasn't able to do it. Right. The the the, the quality of 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 this ball, whatever the the characteristics and attributes of this ball, did not permit him to uh, uh, you know pr- take advantage of this great skill set that he has. And he labored through a full calendar year with it oh. and dropped like. You know, 50 places in the world ranking, didn't win, and it was depressed. And was talking about maybe walking away from the game for a little while Hmm. and just enjoying his two little kids. Magically, he started playing the old ball that he won a bunch of tournaments with and won two Masters with. And lo and behold, he's already won twice this year, which is a very good stat, a very good factor coming into Augusta. Augusta likes guys that have won in recent times. Right. House, uh... Who's the top Callaway golfer that could win this? Uh, I mean, Phil Mickelson is uh, sitting right best now. Best odds, though? I think, well, what does best mean? 15 he's, to 1. He's 15 to 1. Yeah, he is the uh, number he, one he's Callaway the top favorite. Callaway uh, uh, guy. Sergio is probably, um, you know, right there with Phil in terms of ability to win. I love Sergio and his ball striking is terrific. All the metrics that that reflect, you know, his his where his game is at at the moment are very positive. The problem I have with Sergio and I talked about this on Shack House yesterday, it's impossible to be a repeat winner at the Masters. Yeah. Right. Uh, the last one to do it was was Tiger. Um and there just are not many repeat winners. Who's the most boring person that could win the Masters this year? <laughs> Out of everybody, because that's another factor. So. We're talking about professional golfers. Boring. Well, <laughs> but there's always like the one guy. They're like, oh no, that guy's gonna win. Come on. I, I Adam Scott's pretty boring. Yeah, not baby doll though, right? He, He'd be the most exciting if he was somehow to get on the course. 
We can figure that out. Well, let me go over these real quick. Now, these are the odds of the top 10. Tiger and Spieth, 10 to 1. DJ and Justin Thomas, 12 to 1. Rory, 12 to 1. Bubba Watson, 15 to 1. Uh, Rose, 15. Phil, 15. Justin, uh, Jason Day, 20. And Fowler, 22 to 1. By the way, Simmons, have you, it seems like a column you would have written uh, about golfers and their first names. How many golfers go by first names now? Is it just four? Are we down to Tiger, Rory, Bubba, and Phil? Is it just those oh, four? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because Jordan Spieth will always be Jordan Spieth. It's like you put yeah. the two together. Spieth, yep. Spieth is too much fun to say, yeah. Uh, but I think it's just four. I wonder who. Can anyone break through and be the fifth uh, first name golfer? Maybe Hideki. Because, uh, well, the the one, oh, it Sergio. would be Ricky. Oh, it Sergio's It should be Ricky. Yeah. Sergio's there. Yeah, Sergio's yeah. right there on the brink of it, right. too. Okay. All right. That's a stupid uh, hey, segue. But, yeah. All right. Sal, I have a yeah. question. Go ahead. I haven't won a bet since we won our Warriors 2015 finals bet. Should I just retire from gambling? No, what happens? I, I, what should I, I little, do? What's, what, what's my future? I was a little disappointed. Not, not even any baseball futures. You didn't put any baseball futures in. House called in at the 11th hour. He got his in. I feel you're falling off. I got off. 10 in. You got a bunch in. That's I mean, right. there's a storied history of us losing bets. <laughs> yeah. But I think we peaked with, with this. We have the Mavs, the Lakers, and the Pelicans not to make the playoffs. Oh, my God. Uh, and New Orleans only had two good players heading into the season. I guess three if you count Drew Holiday. Right. And Boogie Cousins, who's the all-NBA first-team center at the basically halfway through the year. And he goes down for the year. And we're like, okay, cross that one off. We're winning. Yeah. And Davis goes to another level. Now the Pelicans are making the playoffs anyway. It's impossible for us to win a bet that Sal and I combine on. It's just literally impossible now. I, I don't want to jinx it, but the Pelicans are now only one game ahead in the West. And, uh, well, I just jinxed it, didn't I? Dem- yeah, Denver, you jinxed it. They're ahead of Denver. They're ahead, one game ahead of Denver, uh, two games ahead of the Clippers, and a son of a bitch of a schedule. And it doesn't matter. They're going to win all those games, aren't they? It doesn't really matter. Freaking maybe Pelicans. maybe I should ask CAA if they could get the Pelicans to miss <laughs> the playoffs. <laughs> Pelicans finish with the Warriors, Clippers, and Spurs. Can they win two of those three? Of course they will. Oh, but the Warriors are like they're done. They're just, they're the two seed. They don't care about anything anymore. The Clippers and Spurs though are still playing for something. I like I like that. Those are the last two games. That's like a week. That, yeah, that's that, true. Those are games next week. All right, uh, House, give us all right. Out of the names I mentioned, let's do it this way. Those ten. Which would you be least surprised if they didn't make the cut? Tiger, Speed, DJ, Th- Thomas, Rory, Bubba, Rose, Phil, uh, Jason Day, and Fowler. If they didn't make the cut? Yes. Uh, you said least surprised. It's a double negative. I can't track this. Yeah, least surprised. What, what, what are you asking me? No, you're like, oh, that makes sense. Uh, that uh, they missed the cut? Yeah, Day missed the cut. Yeah. It would be Jason Day. It would be Day. Okay. Why is yeah. that? O- only because he's constantly fighting... Health issues. Uh, you never know when he shows up. You know what what happened on his travel or whatever. He, he his skill level is still. He won at Tory Pines earlier this year. Just to remind everybody uh, what he's capable of, because Tory is no joke, mm-hmm. and it was an early season win. Very impressive. Uh, won in the playoff, but he he's every week. You look at the thing. Oh, is is he on the training table getting his back fixed? You know what what's going on with Jason Day? So if he misses the cut, it would be because he's got some kind of injury going on. Gotcha. Okay. Hey Sal. Yeah. You every March Madness, you love to <laughs> um, bet no buzzer beaters, which is basically like betting against fun. I won. 
I wonder. It's a winner when you when it comes to the Masters. What do you do to try to pee on the parade? You bet on no holes in one. Do you bet on no double eagles? What do you do? That's an excellent question. I'm glad you asked. There's a bunch of different ways to do this, and you can now bet because see, okay, you can make you could bet who will make the cut. You could also bet who will not make the cut. So I am going to parlay a bunch of uh, golfers together to not make the cut. I'm not sure exactly which ones yet, but yes. And there's also a no holes in one. The problem is you can't track it as well as you can the uh, the tournament games. You can't watch every golfer's tee shot, which is the only problem. But yeah, Bill, that's listen. I've lost. I've made. Wait, I've lost. No, I've lost a lot of money uh, betting against the green, and I will continue to do so. Maybe um, you should bet against Tiger Woods holes in one. Uh, Tiger Woods making an eagle in each round. There's yeah. all kinds of ways you can pee on Tiger Woods. Yeah, there's there's all there's Tiger Woods stats. Will he make three consecutive birdies at any? any point in the tournament. I like uh, going against just, that. And then just, you check. know, it seems Don't like a bet it. that we would all make together. What is it? So it's 33 to one that tiger will win the tournament by four more shots. Oh, wow. And oh, I can God. see us having that. And he's up five on the 17th and then somehow wins by three. Yeah. And it would just be classic us. Yeah. Just classic. Yeah. We should jump on that for sure. That's that's definitely something we would lose on. Wow. By the way, the PGA Tour said today it supports legalized gambling in line with the MLB and uh, NBA commissioners. So uh, step it up, Cadell. That's it. We're well, ready. Everybody's. On I will board. say I've been alarmed by how much gambling on golf you and House have been doing, and I don't know whether to blame uh, our friend Harry or Harry's kind of the gatekeeper for you guys that who just opened the gate and I love it has turned into a, a very sinister, sinister yes. happening. But it sounds like. Watching the Houston Open on Sundays at his at his son's birthday party, and yeah. like really crazy stuff. I, I don't know what's him, happened to him. I sent him a note out of the, what I thought was out of the blue on Sunday, like, "Hey, I want to catch Spieth before if he in case he wins, his Masters odds are going to go way down. I want to catch him." You're, you're like, "That writes back immediately." I already got him to win today, three, four, <laughs> four to one. <laughs> like, wow! If he the Houston Open, if he can't win the freaking Houston Open, how's he supposed to win the Masters? Oh, all right, how's I remember yeah. the old days. Yeah. When football ended and Sal just went into like a catatonic funk for three weeks no. and couldn't figure out what to do with himself. Golf is a revelation. And now the answer is golf and losing NBA futures with uh, us. Absolutely. <laughs> we had the Sixers, 42 and a half. We made that oh. the lock of the year. There's no way Embiid was ever going to play 50 games. I think they doubled And it. I think they've won 10 straight and have a chance to get 50 wins. Yeah. And it's one of the worst bets I've ever made in my life. Well, here, here's the thing. And, you know, I... I Flew to Vegas last weekend, and I was like, I want to put in just a big bet on the NBA. Let me just put it in on Golden State to win. I was like, no, that's no good. But that even that was like uh, minus 110. And the next bet I was going to make was maybe we just go with Houston. Maybe they're just better. They, they could they could beat Golden State four times. That was plus 140. These garbage odds on uh, the NBA. Oh, that's, like, yeah, that's terrible. Who, who do you even take you know what? Anymore? You know why? Why? We took advantage of the last time. You're ever going to get a great price on a title bet, which was Golden State at thirty to one in two thousand. Yeah, that was nice. That will never happen again. They'll that ne- anybody who has a real chance to win the NBA title, they'll never make the odds favorable for them. Well, we haven't mentioned actually the last great NBA Finals odds was Iguodala at a hundred to one to win the MVP, and somehow somehow oh my we God, pulled it off. Remember yeah, that? That was outstanding. But the one thing we haven't mentioned back to basketball, we have a a, a, a giant bet on the Cavs. And Warriors to to make the finals to meet again in the finals and um, I don't yeah. know I don't what like you said it's seven teams can win in the East right it's plus two sixty the exact bet we have 
but we have it at plus 120. Is it really now? So it's kudos to us. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm doubling down. We've I'm done it go again. That. I'm uh, betting it. Uh, <laughs> I went in. You see, we have a lot of we have a lot to make up for. And House, you got to dig us out. Give us one long shot. Give us one medium range and one pretty safe uh, player yeah, to win. Come on, House. The the okay. fucking pressure's on. Come up, win yeah. us a fucking bet for once. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> so, so I, I want to begin with this. Past performance is not indicative of future results. I'd like to remind everybody <laughs> of that important uh, credo. And and uh, noted. Start. Except that we so, lose every bet. We've lost every bet. And we'll continue to lose every bet. But uh, other than that, yeah, you're right. That, yeah, that's right. Go ahead. My, uh, I'll start with my chalk winner, and that's going to be Jordan Spieth. Mm-hmm. Um, four career starts, never finished worse than eleventh. Win in two seconds. Um, the ball striking metrics I talked about. He's number one um, in a whole bunch of those categories that matter. And I'm not worried about the putting. You don't need to be a great putter, mm. and there's a bunch of stats out there, to win at Augusta. You need to putt well at Augusta the week that you are there. And there are a bunch of, of you know names that have won in the last 10 years who finished in the high like 90s or in the 100s in terms of stroke gain putting over the course of a season, but won the Masters because they putted uh, Augusta well so I'm not put off by Spieth's putting woes I think he could just close his eyes on these greens and basically make six footers all day long that's my chalk pick I also like Dustin Johnson at 12 to 1 and I'm going to bet him I like the narrative of Dustin Johnson because it fits a narrative that has been recurring this season which is hey y'all forgot about me Right. so we have a win from Jason Day this season who kind of fell off the radar radar mm-hmm. in all of 2017 because because of injuries and things going on at home. He's jumped up. Hey, y'all forgot about me. He won at Torrey Pines. We have two wins from uh, Bubba Watson this season, who basically took all of 2017 off. We have an incandescent win by, from Rory McIlroy, who disappeared from everybody's you know sight in 2017? We have a win from Phil Mickelson this year mm-hmm. at Mexico, who had, he hadn't won since 2013. We have Tiger Woods on the leaderboard, trending towards a possible W two consecutive weeks. The whole golf world is standing at full attention, cousin Sal. Yeah. I like DJ because he's still. Let me remind everybody, the number one golfer in the world. Right. He is first in the official world golf rankings. Hey, y'all forgot about me. That's the narrative I like for DJ. Okay. So those are my two chalk picks. All right. All right. Uh, uh, let in me, the let, medium range. Hold on. Let me, let me interrupt you real quick because Bavada has Please. this prop. It's like putting an omelet together. This is, Simmons, you're going to love this because you could, you could just add a splash of every golfer in and they have all these combinations. I think what you would like here, what they're offering up, if you might just uh, take the chef's recommendation here, Tiger, DJ, and Spieth plus 290. You're going to have one of those guys in the running. Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock. One of those three have to win? Yeah, of course they have to win. Yeah. That's part of the omelet. So you get any of the three. Yeah, any of right. the three. If any of the three win, you win the bet. Plus 290. I'm in. Now, there's also Rory, JT, and and Dustin Johnson at plus 275. I don't like that as much. Uh, there's one with Watson and Fowler, 8-1. to one. There's one with Dave Leachman and uh, Scott at 10-1. to one. But I like that first one I mentioned, right? I like that first one, too. I want to say I might bet the the one with JT 
because yeah. uh, I'll just I just have to be candid. My pants are down with Justin Thomas. Oh my god! Which is to say, I'm 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 fully exposed. I don't have any. I never can tell when he's going to come out and win. And he is a terrific talent, and he's beaten you know the world's best many times. He's on a super hot streak right now. Right. The, he is the last major winner. You know, he enters as the outstanding major winner. You know, that he won the PGA Championship in 2017. I saw people say uh, that that should be a knock against him, that uh, to win the back-to-back majors, even though it's not back-to-back, it was the last one last year, that's hard to do. But it seems like it's a different season, uh, only because it is, right? I don't I don't like back-to-back majors when it's different years. Yeah. I never understood right. that. Yeah, it's different. We're not even talking about the same thing. Right. Yeah, I like Thomas, they too. Would try, they were trying to get that going with Serena, where... She's right. won the Grand Slam, but it was over the course of two years. It's like, that's not the Grand Slam. The exactly. Grand Slam is you win four majors in the same year. Exactly. All right, Hal, so what are your mid-range pick? Two names in the mid-range. I watched him today on the 15th hole with Bill Simmons' father. Oh. Bill Simmons' dad, Doc Simmons, Kyle Crichton, the producer, and I, along with Jeff Shackelford and our pal Adam Rappaport, were on the 15th hole I don't. Bill Simmons couldn't get himself over to Augusta in time. I don't know. I don't have any explanation for why we're out there. <laughs> baby with doll dad. told me I couldn't do it. <laughs> it was baby doll. Said he fault. couldn't make it happen. Baby I doll couldn't him. make it happen for Next you. Next time, yeah. CAA uh, needs to send the car for you or something. Yeah. Yes, I should ask CAA. We we watched Matt Matt Kuchar on the fifteenth hole. He was practicing uh, some layup shots. He was practicing from behind the green. I was reminded of how much I like Matt Kuchar at the Masters. And it is well-founded in the statistics. He has not missed the cut here since 2002. Wow. He played well at the Houston Open last week. T8 finish, no round worse than 70. He has finished inside the top 10 in three of his last four majors and four of his last six trips. To this golf course, Augusta National, top 10 finishes in four of his last six trips. It also feels like there's a karma angle to Matt Kuchar after he had the lead alone on the 13th green, walking to the 14th tee at the Open Championship, and then Jordan Spieth dropped five birdies on his ass. Man, I like so that. So karma might like Matt Kuchar a little bit. All right, I like that. Fourth? 45 to 1, Matt Kuchar. Fourth last year? That's right. He was tied for fourth last year. I'm looking at that. Wow. That's okay. Pretty good. All right. All pretty right. good. What else you got? The, the other mid-range pick I like is a guy I've been mentioning on the show. Oh, many weeks. It is our friend Hendrik Stenson, yeah. who is uh, an established, accomplished golfer who has, for some reason, had what appears to be just a mental block at the Masters. I don't know why. He's he had he's had uh, six times in 12 Masters starts. He's finished inside the the top 25, so that's that's pretty good, but he's also missed the cut inside the last 5 years. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, he uh, has finished no better than 14th in 2014. So I have a little bit of insider information. Stenson happens to be a Callaway guy. I've been told by people that know things that Stenson's taking an entirely different approach to his uh, uh, preparation for this tournament. There, there seems to be the possibility that he was too focused, too, too grinding too hard for the Masters. He's, he's coming in 
hot. He's coming in, I think, to, to today, tomorrow, and he's just going to show up and play. He's already got his prep out of the way. He was at the golf course two weeks ago. He's got all his prep. 45 to 1, Henrik Stenson, a guy who compresses the living daylights out of the ball. He hits the hell different out of it, approach. Right? He's buying yeah. meat from Canelo Alvarez. What is it? <laughs> I, I, I hope so. That would be wonderful. Simmons, what the I'd hell? I'd like some of that. We, we can't That's get my new go-to joke for uh, for basically everything. Well, he's 42 he, years old this week. I bought, he bought some meat from Canelo uh, Alvarez. We this can't get excited about any any fight anymore. I, I hate it. I hate it. I think Kevin yeah, Clark Sal. pointed out that uh, you get excited for fights for three weeks and uh, just enough time to analyze them before they're canceled in uh, 2018. It's the worst. Uh, yeah. All right. Wait, so, so, House, you have one more long range pick? I have one more long range. His, it is uh, my guy, Patrick Cantlay. This is, now, those two guys were both 45 to 1 mid range guys. Here is my long range guy, and I just like his form. This is a guy that, that, um, has uh, so a little bit of personal tragedy in his background. He had an injury. He came uh, onto the scene five or six years ago, um, was slightly derailed by, by these things. He is an outstanding putter of the golf ball, and he has crept up to uh, 33rd on the world golf rankings because of his play over the last uh, calendar year or so. He was the low amateur at the Masters in 2012. So we know he's not going to be intimidated playing out there. He has a win in uh, the last handful of, of months. I think he, uh, let me see here. He hasn't missed a cut in eight starts in the 2017-2018 season. And he fits uh, some of the characteristics and attributes that I like um, in terms of, of uh these strokes gains uh, analytics that I've mentioned, Patrick Cantlay, my long range pick at 85 to one. Wow. So yeah. I, I really respect House's golf knowledge. I loved all the stats. I yeah. think he's a smart guy. I think he missed the obvious, obvious great bet here. Who is it? And he had it. You had all the pieces. You what? had your list of the seven guys who who fit the profile. And and you let it go. Fifty to one, Tommy Fleetwood. Okay. Couple things to mention about young Tommy. Twenty six years old. Mm -hmm. They call him Mister Cool on the <laughs> tour right? in England. Wow. So that's good. Congratulations. Um, he is number twelve in the world right now. So that puts him in the right range. Here's a quote from young Tommy: "The first real Masters I watched was 1997 when Tiger won his first. A few uh -huh. years on, I get to play with him, and I don't think he can better draw than Tiger at the Masters, especially this week. You know why I said that? Because he's playing with Tiger on Thursday. Oh. And here's why I like that. That's going to be like a zoo. That's going to be like the gallery is going to be 20 deep. Everybody's gonna be, it's going to feel like Sunday for him. It's going to give Tommy Fleetwood a little taste of what it's like Sunday in the Masters. So when he gets to Sunday and he's in and he's in it, he, it won't, he won't have that like – you know, deer in the headlights look of the new guy who can't believe he's has a chance to win the Masters. Because that's what his Thursday is going to be like. And by the way, he's Mr. Cool. I like him. 50 to 1 house. That's my pick. I like Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, he, he fell a little bit out of form and I f he fell out a little favor with me. He, he won uh, earlier this year. In Abu Dhabi, I believe. Oh, uh, so and he's got all the game in the world. I mean, he he was uh, a very trendy pick at the end of last season for the PGA Championship because of his very uh, uh, 
skilled play at the U.S. Open, and he had a good uh, Open Championship as well. Well, uh, this is going to be interesting because we're going to find out once and for all what happens when Mr. Cool meets Mr. Cooler. And that's Bill Simmons putting money on a golfer. And I'm, I'm probably <laughs> I'm probably going to join you. Uh, oh, man, there's so many yeah, guys give me, I like. I want $100 on that, Sal. Do you really? All right. Yeah, and I want to parlay that with a third t- third pass for Breckman's on Wednesday that we're not going to get. <laughs> Berkman's, Berkman's. Berkman's. <laughs> I can't even say it right. Hey, one thing we are betting for sure, and I'm, I'm not taking no for an answer here. The length of the winner's final shot over under. Want to oh, guess wow. how long? Oh, that's great. Hold on. Let's guess this. Let me really think about okay. this. The winning shot. No, the final shot. The winner's final shot. So, yeah. The what the last the la- the ball goes in the hole. This is the length. Yes. I'm going to say it's two and a half feet would be the over under and I'm going to I'm going to go over. House, what do you think? Uh I I think Simmons is exactly the right place here the way he's thinking about it. I'm going to say 18 inches, and I'm going to say under. Nah, well, 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 if you're going to go under 18 inches, Bill, you have, to, tap you have to think about this because of what how you said it, but the over-under is three and a half feet. Okay. I say we go under. What do you think? I, I love under. I, I, I think the winner has a tap-in. I think that's, you know. Yes. Uh, I'm anticipating... Not somebody winning with an 18-foot putt right. or a well, 20-foot putt. Right. Or- We've been watching the Masters our whole life. That 18th hole is ridiculous to putt on. Nobody ever makes the like, yeah, so they get so we'll sweat it out. That's how times. they end up in playoffs. They always end up in the, with the little tap in versus actually right. making that's, it. That's I like a good bet, Sal. They'll take the twenty footer. We'll sweat it out a little bit. We don't watch any of the tournament until Sunday, the very last shot. That's all we need. We bet under three and a half. I love it. Plus, Sal, this fits your theory on, on rooting against fun. Yes, that's exactly right. It's fun to watch the guy make the 25-footer to clinch the Masters. But yeah. no, we're rooting for it to almost make it. Yeah, he's going to be celebrating in two minutes from them anyway. What's the difference? Yeah, let's bet under. I like it. Uh, real quick, real quick, House, talk me out of Matsuyama, 35-1. to 1. Hasn't been playing great, plus two a couple weeks ago. Uh, has wrist problems. But if he shows up, 35-1... to 1, for a guy who finishes top twenty every ma- every uh, every major, not bad, right? He's no Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> <laughs> Thirty. I I have to tell you, I have a personal problem with with Hideki. Oh, really? He had 2017 PGA Championship in his back pocket. Yeah, well, he cost us money. He cost us money. Yeah. And, okay. and what we, many people? Yeah. It's a long list. It's a, he, yeah, he hurt right. my feelings. Yeah. He, he opened a giant door for Justin Thomas to to dash through. Oh, yeah. It was Hideki's tournament to win. I'm still not over those hurt feelings, and I don't ever like um, a guy who has wrist problems. I, I want to know. I want to see him go do something like a top five in this tournament to be convinced that those wrist problems are in the rearview mirror. Right. I'm going to take that story further. Yeah, We were at our friend Daniel's house, mm-hmm. me and Sal, as our kids were like swimming in the pool, really with no lifeguards or anything, watching Kid corner. Yeah, we 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 were just right. watching uh, Hideki blow this bet that oh, you convinced yeah. us to do. Right, <laughs> and uh, and I didn't spend any time with my family, and I didn't really socialize. Instead, I was in some bedroom off the side of the pool with Sal, who was doing the nervous pacing Sal thing. Yeah, and I didn't really have a good time. You know, so he hurt gonna, me in two different ways. Sal, so. you're welcome. I, I should. We should keep track of which athletes are going to ultimately cost us our marriage. And uh, yeah, you're right. Hideki, uh, <laughs> welcome to the list.
You're, you're not to yeah, be denied. A <laughs> lot yeah. of sideways glances from not just our wives, but actually other people, other people's wives, yeah. your family, just it, a lot of why do these guys come? Why are you guys so focused on a golf tournament in July or August, early August? That's a hard one to explain. Well, yeah. you know, you can't bet it's, baseball. It's, you, I'm already sick of betting baseball. So what, what are you supposed to do? You know, by the I way, Sal, we had the league of dorks draft last night. Yeah. And there was this guy in the draft who was coming back from Europe from a two week trip mm-hmm. and missed one of the connecting flights. And we had to start the draft at five 30 and he was stuck in the airport with his wife and two kids. Mm-hmm. And he had to get Delta passes for everybody. And he tried to do the draft in the Delta club with his two small kids running around and his <laughs> wife on the heels of a, of a trip from Europe. And I have never heard of a scenario where somebody's spouse would be angry at him than this scenario, because the combination of ignoring the family and then spending more money in the Delta club. But then on top of it, um, the League of Dorks draft. It's its the Triple Crown. I I've never it. heard a better story. i got to be honest. The most stressful part of any vacation or any life is getting through baggage claim and everything else. And this guy did yeah. the draft. Oh, that's great. I love that. He's like, hold on. You take him to the seats. I, I need one more closer. I'll be right there. <laughs> he may have to get an honorary mention into the Degenerate Gambler Hall of Fame. That's great. Yeah, it's pretty good. Well, it's all right. Good. I'm very jealous you guys are out there. I really am. And... uh Next year is your year, so, so. Yes, I'm we'll coming We'll CAA. Sure. We'll see if they can get you yeah, in. Yeah, CAA's <laughs> got to come through. Let me let me recap. How says Spieth and Dustin Johnson are his safe picks. Kucher and Stenson are his uh, mid-range picks. And Cantley at 85-1 to 1 is his long shot. Bill Simmons, a sports guy, says Mr. Cool, Tommy Fleetwood at 50-1. to 1. That's his pick. Uh, I'm gonna and go under and under for the eighth for the last putt under three and a half feet for the final shot of the winner uh, is gonna and I, I swear to God we're doing that I'm also gonna go Justin Thomas and I'm gonna put a little on Charles Schwartzel House at 125 to one I like Schwartzel oh, third, sure. third third last year came in third tied for third last year yeah like uh, I like him struggling a little all right wow House of Carbs Shack House best thing you've eaten so far real quick or or have you just gotten there. I just got here. I, I let uh, producer Kyle and, and Doc Simmons go ahead and get knee deep in the pimento cheese. I'm saving mine for tomorrow. All right, guys. Well, there you go. Catch up with Baby Doc. I really hope you you make him take you to a five-star restaurant and uh, triple up on the seafood towers. Make sure he pays. He, he deserves it. <laughs> All right, fellas. Take care. We'll see. Done and done. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll be right back with WWE Hall of Famer Devon Dudley. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash odds. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash odds. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, welcome back to Against All Odds, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm very excited about my next guest of all the professional wrestlers I played high school football with, this one is by far my favorite. By far. 
This weekend, he and his tag team partner, Bubba Ray Dudley, will be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Devon Hughes, a.k.a. Devon Dudley, thanks for coming on Against All Odds, pal. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Sal. It's been some time since you and I have, uh, you know, talked and uh, interact with one another. Yes. And the last memory, last memory I have of you was dressing up in a kilt, <laughs> or I should say skirt. And, uh, How dare you? <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the shirt saying hot rod. <laughs> I was going to ask you if you remembered. So as I mentioned before, Devon and I, we went to high school together. Uh, you were and still are a year year younger than me, right? I think you're, you're a year yes. or two, two. Okay, yeah. All right. And uh, yes. we went to, I was going to ask you if you remembered who my favorite wrestler was, because I think I might have been into wrestling a little more than you were back then. Well, well I, I think, I, I don't know if it was a little more because <laughs> it was, with me, I was very, back then, and, and when we were in elementary and junior high, Yeah. Um, I was very shy. Yes. Um, and although then the first year or two when I, when I had met you, I remember freaking out because you did Roddy Piper better than anybody I had ever seen. He <laughs> <laughs> even had the gum chewing down perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> and if you, if you look back at it at that age, you know, that was, that, that was extremely impressive. And so it was one of those things where that had always stayed with me for many, many years. Wow. And I remember doing interviews for WWE mm-hmm. and bringing up Glenn and you were in those interviews. Wow. Really? Wow. Yes, absolutely. Because it had such an impression on me because you were the only one that I knew that loved professional wrestling back then, uh, the way I did. Mm. And like you said, I might even give it to you. It might even more than me. You know, <laughs> I, it was, it was one of those things where I, I couldn't stop watching it and I know couldn't either. And, and here's the great part. Yeah. I was a huge Hulkamaniac yeah. or a Roddy Piper fan. Go pick you. Right. <laughs> right. We, but we butted heads in that regard. Well, listen, if you want to mention me in the hall of fame induction speech, you, you don't have to, but yes, it would, it seems like I had a, I had a major impact on your life. So yeah, that would, that would be yeah, nice. You did. <laughs> I, may, I may, I may have to do that. So we went to football camp. You went to football camp, right? You went to a Quago. We, yes. Yeah. I went there and uh, I remember being a real young punk kid at the time, uh, because all this this is when the, I believe the ninth graders, mm-hmm. uh, went up for the first year yes. uh, at Glenn, Glenn right. and uh, we were the first ones to go. And so we were privileged to be able to go to that camp. And I remember every one of us ninth graders was petrified yeah. because I remember the, the 10th graders, the 11th and the seniors, you know, couldn't wait to haze us. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was uh, it was allowed. Not only was it allowed, it was encouraged back then, the hazing. And uh, yeah, it was, I mean, just even without the hazing, it was a miserable way to s- spend your summer. You know, you would go, you, you would go up there and it was, you wake up in wet clothes at 545 in the morning. Some crazy coach would blow a whistle. You're freezing. Somehow in the summer, you were freezing in the morning in upstate New York. And uh, yeah, and um yeah, as in one of those skits, one of the hazing skits, I don't know if you remember, I pretended to be Rowdy Roddy Piper. We had this big fat uh, head coach, and he uh, the day before we had dinner, and he was upset that the, there were no brownies left. 
And so I did a Piper's yeah. pit. I did a Piper's pit in front of the whole team, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th. And I brought him up on stage and I got him up there. I was like, you're a big fat man, brother. And you're asking for brownies. There's no brownies left. What are you doing, man? Are you ribbing me? And that's making fun of the head coach is not uh, a good way to get playing time. I, I figured out though. Uh, yeah, I remember you were sitting on the bench with me. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it differently. I think you were like the first, and this was not, this didn't happen. Weren't you a varsity player in ninth grade? I basically, yeah, went up. They brought me in um, to varsity. Um, yeah. J- the, what was it? The freshman? No, we didn't have play. It was JD. Right. Uh, the JD team, um, you know, I started as a ninth grader, which was unheard of. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, basically, when the JD season was over, and it was because we only had a few games, the varsity was still going strong. Right. They actually brought me up, and I actually played. I started. You sure did, and you made an impact too. You were one of the only people I knew who had a, who had a sack dance, and that when I saw I saw talent in you, I said, "Oh boy, this guy is going places." I don't know if it's the NFL or what. I should have figured <laughs> professional wrestling, but I think Mark Gastineau had a sack dance back in uh, back when we were playing football. But uh, it was you and Mark Gastineau, and then but then you moved, right? You you switched uh, school districts, unfortunately. Yeah, my mother uh, got remarried. Uh-huh. And um, we left Glen and moved uh, to uh, New Rochelle, New York. Uh-huh. And uh, that, I, that career never got started really after that. Um, Glen was, was my home. And it had been my home for many years. And, you know, you guys welcomed me because I was a kid from Brooklyn. You right. know, and when Brooklyn got rough, it got bad. Uh-huh. Uh, my grandmother and my aunt, you know, decided to get me out of Brooklyn. Uh-huh. You know, so I wouldn't be caught up in the mess. And I had came to you guys in sixth grade. And from sixth grade to that point, it was such a huge impact in my life. It was almost like, and I tell people all the time, <clears throat> when they ask me about my childhood growing up, uh, I tell them, I was like, you ever see the television show Saved by the Bell? Yeah, sure. <laughs> and yeah. They say, yeah, I said, well, that, that was us. <laughs> that was us. And. You know, we had so much fun back then. I remember me getting 100% attendance every time because I loved going to school, even when I was sick. Yeah. I loved going to school. Right. And uh, it was one of those things where we just all had a very, very good, good time. It was a very, very good class. Um, but, yeah, when she moved, it just things never kicked off for me. I, I, I couldn't get into the groove. I was miserable because I left. And um, I remember... Literally trying because I remember coach when I left I was I didn't believe it was going to happen and I remember finishing out my tenth grade year mm-hmm. um, as we got closer to the end of the school year and I told coach about it and he said to me he goes listen you can come and stay with me and finish out your years if you want wow he's like I'll talk to your mom and I remember talking to my mother and she refused to let me do it right and I remember which which that, coach was which coach was this by the way Devon. Uh, Joe, uh, oh God, he, he left after Melius. Right. Oh man, who, which, who was it? Scudder. Oh, oh, Ron Scudder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I believe he's Scudder. Coach oh, Scudder. I, listen, I, I love I love Scudder, but your your mom made a a very uh, very nice right choice there. That was correct, correct decision. <laughs> not not letting you live with that man. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember I tried to fail on purpose. Oh. Uh, when I got to New Rochelle High School my junior year, uh-huh. I had gotten B's and F's. And um, 
Because uh-huh. I, I, I was used to getting, you know, B's and, and, and you know, like low A's. And my right. mother said, I don't care. You can flunk out of school for all I care. You're not going back to Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> so right then I had to make a choice. I had to get my stuff together and, you know, basically, you know, get my act together. And then the second and third and fourth marking period got my grades back up again. Yeah. But football just never, ever, you know, got it for me. It was the mm-hmm. first time I actually sat the bench and my whole career during that time in my junior year, and that hurt me bad. And it should have been, you know, something for me to start, but I was so used to starting and so used to making an impact. And when that happened, it basically did something. I remember my senior year, mm-hmm. um, we had a new coach that came in, and um uh, still, things just didn't pan out. And I thought it was going to, but at that point, I knew that I wanted to be a wrestler, and I, I knew that the WWE was a place that I wanted to be. And if football didn't work out, that was going to be my second because I didn't know how to get into pro wrestling at that time. Yeah, but I just figured that one day, if I was done with my football career, that would happen. So, and now, okay, so you're done. Even though you did get a scholarship, right, to play football in college, yeah. you did, right? Mm-hmm. I got a scholarship and uh, turned it down for the A&M. And you know, I wanted to take the scholarship. I wanted to do it, uh, but mm-hmm. I just didn't want to play football because I didn't want to get hurt. Mm-hmm. I had lost the passion. And I knew that if I would have gotten on that football field, I would have got hurt. Right. Um, I you know, and I, I just didn't trust it. And yeah. when I asked uh, for the scholarship anyway, they told me no. Interesting. They said that I had to. Uh, play football if I wanted it, and I said, well, thank you, but no thanks. Good for so, you. Good you know, for you. A, it worked out. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, it did. I mean, I took a couple of classes at Iona, didn't finish it, but then at that point, I found out a wrestling school in Brooklyn, New York, mm-hmm. and it was in Gleason's Gym, which is known for boxing, such greats as Roberto Durant, sure. Muhammad Ali, uh, Mike Tyson, you know, all walked through those doors of Gleason's Gym, but there was a gentleman by the name of Johnny Rods, I remember the the, the, the unpredictable yeah, Johnny Rods. Yeah. Yep. And he opened up the school and he retired and um, writing Gleason's Gym. And I found out about it, came in there. And, you know, when I was in high school, I thought I was the biggest kid around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> nobody could be as big as me. Yeah. And then I walked into his wrestling school and I realized that I was like Ray Mysterio. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so he uh, welcomed me into open arms. And Johnny was like my, my, my second father. Wow. That's um, great. You know, he, he really took me under his wing and uh, really showed me, you know, how to be a wrestler and even some grappling stuff. And, you know, where I, I did have to apply it a couple of times in the ring and when somebody got, you know, a little bit out of hand. But, um, you know, it was one of those things where Johnny taught me how to survive in this business. And I'll be, you know, ever grateful for him. That's great. You know, Johnny, the thing with Johnny, and I think you're a little maybe young for this. I remember him in the early 80s. And by that time, he had been wrestling professionally for 20 years, and he was what they called mm-hmm. in the business a jobber. So the other wrestlers, right. the, the, they would put the other wrestlers over on him. He would uh, mm-hmm. he did not have a great record, but he went. I think like Taz and Vince Russo went to his school, right? Like he, there were some accomplished yeah, wrestlers was, that came uh, well, through. He, a lot of people. Um, he, it was myself, mm-hmm. a big Dick Dudley from sure. ECW who passed away. Mm-hmm. Taz, Tommy Dreamer, right? He helped train Roddy Piper. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, basically, Piper put him over huge yeah. uh, in his book. Uh, a whole section uh, was Johnny Rods. Right. Uh, Johnny was, like, again, he worked for the old man. He worked for Vince's dad. Mm-hmm. And the thing with, 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 with Johnny was 
Johnny was the guy, like you said, that helped get the talent over. Right. But if somebody needed it to be taught a lesson, they would be put in the ring with Johnny. Oh. And Johnny, was, he, was, he was what we call a shooter. And so he, he would go in there and shoot on the guy. And basically, you know, at that point, he could break his hand or what have you. Mm-hmm. You know, he could do anything he wanted to his leg, whatever, uh, to, to teach him a lesson. So yeah. Johnny Rods back in the day was Vince McMahon Sr.'s strongman. Wow. And again, if, if, if he needed, uh, you know, somebody to look good in the ring, like Hogan put him over. Right. And, and, and thank Johnny for making his matches really good. Uh, so many uh, guys who have been in the ring with Johnny uh, that Johnny had helped their career, mm-hmm. you know, just to flourish. And, and Johnny, for that, was recognized and was one of the first candidates that he put in the WWE Hall of Fame. Right. Yeah. No, he was a great company man. He was great for the WWF back then. And, uh, yeah, he certainly mm-hmm. did a nice job with you. Yeah, I... um. Roddy, Roddy would speak fondly. I was lucky enough, uh, you know, it was just a character at, in 1984, 85 when I was playing, but I was lucky enough to get to know Roddy. He trained me. I actually had a match in the WWE, undefeated, uh, no, no Hall of Fame call yet, yet. But uh, I did bet, I did beat Santino Morella. I pinned him at Staples Center, but uh, Roddy trained me, and uh, he was a great guy. I mean, he taught me, you know, a lot about wrestling. He taught me a ton about how. It, how to be a great father. And he was so underrated as a person, you know, he was great on the mic and he would use those, those talking skills, uh, in every aspect of his life and for the better. And, uh, God, I really miss that guy. He was, he was the tops. Also, he, he probably choked me out 10 times. I would say seven or eight of them, (laughs) seven or eight of them were unconsensual, but, uh, whatever, whatever it was, it was, uh, it was part of the deal. He was, he was a good guy. And Roddy, you know, I met Roddy at WrestleMania. Um, I believe it was WrestleMania let me see, 21, I mm-hmm. believe. He came in uh, and did some things, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was at the Conseco Fieldhouse, I believe, um, in Seattle. Yeah. I believe it was. And um, I met, you know, Roddy, and I introduced myself to him, and he was such a, a pleasure to me. Yeah. Just you know, a, a teddy bear, right? Yeah. Yeah, he really was. He was, a, he was a real teddy bear, and you know, and his manners. You know, he, he would never think that back then he was a man that you love to hate. Right. You know, and you know, back then, I mean, he was so the opposite of the character that he played on TV. And even back then, you know, other than being a you know a jokester in the back, you know, people would say that Roddy was just a really really great guy. And uh, it really showed when I met him. And again, he shook my hand and I told him about Johnny Rods. And boy, did he tell me some stories about Johnny. Yeah. And we sat and talked for a little bit. And then from that point on, every time I had met Roddy, you know, it was a lot of guys that <clears throat> made me really want to be a professional wrestler. And one of them was, uh, of course, Hogan. Hogan right. was my main one. And <laughs> then it was Piper. And right. then Randy Savage. Uh-huh. You know, but the sad part about it was I never got to meet Randy. Uh, I thought I almost did. Uh, I to meet him, but never got a chance to meet Randy before he passed. That's too bad. That's too bad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I remember you would do the Hulk Hogan impersonation. You were <laughs> Oh, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you were all over it. <laughs> you were all over it. Yeah, those guys are great. They were so much fun. I just uh, And now you're a Hall of Famer. You, along with your brother, 
and tag team partner Bubba Ray Dudley. He's not really your brother. I have to be honest. You don't look a lot alike, right? <laughs> well, I mean, we are. We're brothers from different mothers. Oh. I didn't realize that until I got to ECW. Oh, you know, okay. That's when I realized that Bubba was really my brother. And, you know, Dad never told me about it. You know, so I'm a little angry at Dad all these years. Dad, you know? Dad I mean, shouldn't he have held, he shouldn't <laughs> held back that information. He really shouldn't have. But, but. <laughs> I mean, you know, some of your siblings I had, you know, Big Dick Dudley, Spike Dudley, Chubby <laughs> Dudley, you know, Sign Guy Dudley, Dudley the Dudleys, uh, you know, Dancing with Dudleys. And, you know, this goes on and on. It's not Dudley. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember a lot of these guys at Jonglin High School, but they must have just skipped class a lot. <laughs> well, no, they weren't. I mean, Big Daddy Dudley, if you know the story about the Dudleys, Big Daddy Dudley went all around the world wrestling on the circuit and basically laid his seat in just about every city and state that he went to. Uh-huh. I see. I see. So, so that's how it all Dudley, added up. You know, that's how it all started. You know, that's how Devon was born. He went to the south side of Dudleyville. Right, 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 right. <laughs> now, you guys, but you, but you and Bubba Ray, and, and this isn't, this is not made as big a deal of that as it should be. You're the most decorated tag team in the history, in the history of professional wrestling. I think you have 23 tag titles. Is that is that right? 20, 24. Oh, so excuse me. See? Yeah. Look at that. 24. 24. So we were going well, we were going for 25, but we never made it when we made our return. And that so that was a couple <laughs> of years ago, right? Never. Yeah, yeah. You, it, that was a couple of years you, ago. You came close. You came close. But uh you're all, you're in the Hall of Fame now. My ten year old would uh my ten year old Jack wanted me to ask you uh, what was it like to get stink faced by Rikishi? Yeah, well, you know, it wasn't pleasant. Uh, <laughs> every second of that, uh, really, you know, to this day, I have nightmares. Right. Uh, you know, there's nothing like a big Samoan ass coming at your face. And, you know, I mean, believe me, I wasn't the only one that had the unpleasure of doing that. I mean, even the, the boss himself, Vincent, Vincent right. Man, had the unpleasure of, of getting the stink face. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Stephanie did too. And, you know, so many of us did. So, you know, everybody. <clears throat> Back then, it was it got to be in some type of club? Now you had some people was in the uh, Vince McMahon Kiss My Ass Club, right? You know, you kiss Vince, and well, I was in the Rikishi uh, Stink Face Club. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure which one I uh, I should be more jealous of, but <laughs> they all have their they all have their benefits, I would say. But so now you're you're now uh, not only are you a wrestling agent, and you could explain what that is in a minute, but your sons are wrestling now, right? Yes, absolutely. TNT, Terrence and Terrell, my twin boys, they're like 20, they're 23 now. Uh -huh. uh, they'll be at the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, and uh, they're my life. Uh, my boys, I mean, I got four boys and uh, I got one on the way. I got a girl. Oh, Baby that's girl. great. We just found out it's going to be a girl. That's awesome. <laughs> So, God bless you. Yeah, so thank you. And I'm very happy and very excited. My first girl and daddy's little girl, I'm going to be able to go to the daddy and daughter dance and the whole nine. So, you know, I'm really excited about that. But, you know, my twins were there for the first, for everything. I mm -hmm. mean, they were there for ECW. They were there for the struggle, you know, um, leading to the wrestling school and everything that I had to go through. So they were there since day one. And even though I tried so hard, uh, to keep them away from the business. Mm -hmm. It was very hard because, you know, when you're at WrestleMania and you see the glitz and the glamour, you see Edge and Christian, who they call Uncle Edge and Uncle Christian and Uncle Bubba, right. you know, we're, we're in there in the Hardys and we're doing what we're doing. And I mean, they just got hooked like, you know, everybody else who became a wrestling fan. And with that being said, you know, it's only fitting that they would want to be a part of this. It's like every kid growing up, but at some point that kid steers off into another direction 
and decides that he wants to be a lawyer or a doctor. Well, being that Terrence and Terrell <clears throat> was still in the business, still around the business and, and things of that nature, they just didn't really want to be a pro wrestler. And at first I was against it. Mm-hmm. I told him no. Um, had a conversation with The Rock, um, and he had told me, um, don't even know if he remembers, but he had told me, he said, Devon, he was like, you know, my father was against it as well. Mm-hmm. He was like, and, you know, him and I got into some arguments and fights about it. He says, but if I would not, if I would have listened to him and not saying don't listen to your father, of course, listen to your father. Yeah. But if he didn't follow his dreams, you know, he would not be where he is today. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, and when he said that to me, that struck a chord. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. So I went in there. I went into my, I have a wrestling school in Kissimmee, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and I brought the boys in there. And I said, okay. I said, you know, usually when you tell somebody to take a bump, and they, they, they take a bump in the ring, and that first bump, usually you can tell right away if they're going to continue or not. Right. And I was for certain that they were going to say, okay, never mind. Don't want to do this. Uh-huh. Yet they took the bump and got right back up and said, okay, I'm ready. And I said, well, that's it. That's great. That's <laughs> I great. I screwed myself. They, they <laughs> and they're doing extremely well. I'm proud of them. Uh, they really, really, in my opinion, and I say this very, very humbly, they are better than me and Bubba. Wow. In that ring. Me, wow. And Bubba, me and Bubba did some great things. I mm-hmm. mean, we did. Uh, Bubba and I were more of entertainers. Uh, and where but Bubba was really, I was the one that did the majority of the work in the ring. And it, there's no secret to that. And even Bubba can admit that. Right. But in terms of how they are as a tag team, mm-hmm. athlete-wise, they're much better than me. A lot, and, r- and lot of raw talent. Because, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not just saying that because they're my sons. I mm-hmm. mean, you watch them in the ring, and people say, "God, it's like watching you." But how they go into it and how they pick up on things—it's just—it's amazing. Mm-hmm. And watching them in the ring, you know, kind of does bring a tear to my eye because they are going in there and they are tearing it down. So I'm very, very proud of them. Very happy. Uh, I'm trying to get them uh, in talks with New Japan right now for wrestling. I don't want people saying, "Get up in NXT." You know, so they can do that and be on the main roster. They're 23 years old. They mm-hmm. have the world by the balls. They have more than time on their side. Let them go out and venture out. Enjoy the independence scene. Let's try to get you to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Spend some time over there at Adocha and mm-hmm. come back. Oh, that was it, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's, it. that's <laughs> the way to do it. Yeah. And, uh, yep. wow, the, you know, and Edge and Christian, you mentioned earlier, they're going to be inducting you into the – Hall of Fame. They're they're good guys. They're legendary uh, wrestlers. Let me ask you this, just off of uh, that, one more thing. The Rock, who you also mentioned, will be on Jimmy Kimmel Live tonight, if you care to watch. But uh, And his father <laughs> yeah. was Rocky Johnson, and he had a tough time because his whole family is, is, is like, I mean, you're talking 10, 12, maybe 15 wrestlers in that family. Let me, when you told your sons, when you were a little apprehensive, was it because of your style? Because you could actually really get injured the way you wrestled. You you involved a lot of tables and chairs and stuff like that. And was it was it that? Was it were you thinking, I'm not gonna be able to turn this off. That's what they saw. That's what I glorified. And that's how they're gonna want to be involved. But now it seems like they're more, you know, it's more talent, more raw talent and and athleticism. 
I think what got me was not so much. I mean, I think it, you know, being in the ring and getting hurt, of course, yes, that that was it. Mm-hmm. That was a major concern. Uh, but I think another concern for me was uh, the, the behind the scenes stuff. You know, there's a whole world behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see right. or don't know what you go through to get to a certain level. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when, you know, you have your child and it, it grows up into a business that you grew up in, so to speak, whatever the profession might be, you don't want your child to grow up. I mean, well, not grow up, but you don't want to grow up in that business the way you did. And then what I mean by that is you, you, you have to eat, excuse my expression, you have to eat shit before you can, you know, really fly yeah, sometimes sure. in a company. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't want them to do that. You want them to have an easy life. You don't want them to have to, you know, bear any crosses and, and go out there. But although they have to pay their dues, it's still, it's your child. So you, you basically don't want to see them suffer. A lot of times you got to go through that in order to reap the benefits of, you know, what is at the end of the, at the end of the life. And my thing was, I didn't want them to have to go through that. I know what I had to go through. Right. And, you know, yourself, when you are going through things like that, it's okay because that's your dream. You're willing to do anything to get that brass ring. Sure. You know, you want to take whatever you have to take for it. But when your kid wants to do the same thing and you know that it's going to be hard for them to struggle and to, to, you know, live in your car and drive and, you know what I'm saying? Right. That you don't want to do. And I think that was more of a concern for me than anything else, even getting injured or things like that for them. Gotcha. That was what I was majorly concerned for. But, you know, again, It builds their character. Mm-hmm. It makes them better, and it makes them better even as human beings, not just in the business, but just in life in general. Right, and and yeah, I mean, to your credit, no father wants to watch his son get stink faced in front of twenty thousand people. So yeah, you, you, you <laughs> no, want you want better it. for your kids, right? Right. Uh, what <laughs> about right. what about your little girl? What about uh, what about little Donna Dudley? Would you let her wrestle? Oh, absolutely not. No? Absolutely not. That's no it. Way. You're drawing no the line there. Really? <laughs> nope. Uh, that's what. Yep. Yeah, uh, I don't care what Rock says. <laughs> <laughs> you got. You have Snooker's daughter in the game. You obviously have Ric Flair's yeah, no, daughter. Doesn't I matter. Wouldn't give, I wouldn't care if Tamina said something to me. If Charlotte says something, hell right. to the no. <laughs> it's not happening. All right. There you go. You don't have. You don't have to have that conversation. WrestleMania this Sunday, Devon. I don't know if you know this. You could actually bet on the matches, uh, five dimes, and some of these other uh, uh, offshore accounts. You could bet. So give me some inside info. Brock Lesnar four to one odds to beat Roman Reigns. Triple H and Stephanie five to one odds to beat Ronda Rousey and Kurt Angle. It's almost like they know what's going to happen here. Who do I? T- who do I yeah, take? Well, you know. <laughs> well, I can tell you what, you know, Brock Lesnar and, and Roman Reigns, they they went at it, um, you know, before, and it was a hell of a match. Yeah. Uh, I think Brock really brought out the best in Roman, and, you know, I think that's what really put Roman on the map. Mm-hmm. But, you know, of course, Seth Rollins comes in, cashes in the money in the bank, and then all of a sudden steals the show. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, from those two. So I don't think there's anybody that has the money in the bank. So I think you're going to get a legit winner um, out of these two. And, you know, I mean, the odds are Brock Lesnar. I mean, you can't deny it. 
um, you know, just he is the beast. Yeah. You know, he is the beast. And, you know, not even looking at his, his UFC um, record and, and things of that nature, but it's Brock Lesnar. I don't know. That's it. Just I, Brock Lesnar. I don't know if you remember Vinny Bolger, but uh, he played football for us. He, rem- he reminds me of a little yeah, Lesnar, right? I, I yeah. still speak to Vinny. Oh, actually. you do? Oh, great. Great. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Vinny was a gigantic wrestling fan, and uh, I, I don't know how he yep. didn't make it uh, in with you guys, but but uh, I, I, you know what? There's still time. I don't. I don't know. Absolutely. I think he could do it. But WrestleMania 34 Sunday, 7 p.m. Eastern on WWE Network, or get it on pay per view. Devon Hughes will be inducted into the Hall of Fame Saturday night. Devon, thanks so much. A shout out to the John Glenn Knights. It's gonna be. Uh, it's oh, gonna absolutely. be great. What a weekend coming up for you, and I'm proud of you, buddy. Well, thank you. And, you know, again, you know, with all the fans that are going to be listening, I want to thank them, you know, because without them, you know, there would be no WWE. There would be no Dudley Boys, you know. And you got to give the fans credit because whether they loved us or they hated us, mm-hmm. they always showed us respect. And that's the one thing I always loved about our fans. And, you know, it's going to be an honor and a privilege, you know, at the Smoothie King uh, Arena to be able to accept and go into the WWE Hall of Fame. And, again, one of the two people that I love and, and love dearly are Edge and Christian mm-hmm. and the Hardys, the people that we've made history with. And, you know, in terms of giving thanks, you know, to anybody, those four men will definitely be thanked because without them, there would have been no TLC matches. There would have been no matches that would have been legendary that fans still talk about today, 15, 20 years, and they watch on the WWE Network and still in awe with the things that we've done. Yep, absolutely. Well, listen, man, I just all I ask is that you take some time to enjoy it. I know you want to give thanks to everybody else, but you made it. 24-time tag team champion. I'm over the moon for you, pal. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you, Sal, and uh, hope to see you soon. All right, pal. Take care. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Against All Odds with Cousin Sal, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. Shoot us an email, CousinSalAgainstAllOdds at gmail.com. Watch Jimmy Kimmel Live, 1135 tonight and every weeknight on ABC. That's that. For Joe House and WWE Hall of Famer Devon Dudley, I'm Sal saying so long and happy handicapping. All right, it's time to talk about Hotel Tonight. Hotel Tonight partners with awesome hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you get amazing deals. All it takes is 10 seconds, just three taps and a swipe to book. No long, endless list of zillion hotel choices. Hotel Tonight only shows you the best deals at the best hotels. It's perfect whether you're a planner or like to leave things to the very last minute. Last weekend, I booked three nights hotel tonight uh at the aria great great reasonable rates and uh well then i lost like ten twelve thousand dollars but that's a whole different story with hotel tonight's ht perks program the more you book the better the deals get so start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the hotel tonight app now 